Recently, I was thinking about how my songwriting style and methodologies have changed over time, and I realized that they basically could be boiled down to three different songwriting styles. So in this episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast, we're going to break down each one of those styles, and I'll talk about what I think the benefits and drawbacks of each of those styles are. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Joseph Adala. Honored that you would take some time out of your busy day, out of your busy week, to talk songwriting with me. As always, if you haven't already, be sure to grab my 10 different ways to start writing a song free guide. If you're not actually songwriting, you need to be songwriting. I don't care if this is the first songwriting podcast you've ever listened to or if you've been listening for a while. You need to actually be songwriting. I've said this many times before, but I'll say it again. Look, if you've listened to like, I don't know, two or three of my podcasts in a row or any songwriting podcast in a row, but you haven't actually done actual songwriting since like two, three, four episodes, stop listening now and go write a song because the best way to learn is to do what podcasts and videos can help with is accelerate the rate at which you get better because people like me can hopefully help you to avoid certain pitfalls, can teach you things that would take a lot longer if you had to learn it on your own, that sort of thing. Yes, that's all great, but ultimately you have to songwrite. So go songwrite if you have been listening to too many of these in a row. And if you want something to help you get started, grab my free guide, songwritertheory.com slash free guide. Talks about 10 different ways to start writing a song. Five from a more lyrical, thematic standpoint. Five from a more musical standpoint. So whether you prefer starting with words or with music, there's five ways for you. I highly encourage you to try both, uh, which we're sort of going to dive into in this episode. But whether you're a seasoned songwriter or new There's 10 different ways. The reason it's helpful for seasoned songwriters is I still need to mix up the way I start my songs. If I start every single song the same way, I start to sort of run out of creative room. I would compare it to sort of like how you can do a certain type of creativity for like two hours, get fried, but then usually your brain can handle doing something else creative. It just can't be the same thing. So you could do software development for four hours, get fried, but then do songwriting right away because your brain isn't fried for the songwriting type of creativity. It's just fried for the software development creativity. Or the same could be true with, I don't know, painting versus writing music or writing music versus writing a novel. So arming yourself with many different ways to start writing a song is sort of taking advantage of the same concept. Maybe... The reason that you feel like you have no creativity left is because you've started all your songs with a chord progression on a guitar, but simply changing up how you start your song, all of a sudden you might have all this creativity rush back just by not starting your song in the same way you usually do. So if you're interested, be sure to check that out, songwritertheory.com slash free guide, link in the description as always. In today's episode, we are talking about what I think are the three main styles of songwriting I've gone through. Maybe if I reflect on it more, I'll figure out that there were more in there. And ultimately, 
you can have hybrids of these, which we'll talk about at the end. But I realize sometimes when between people emailing me or just seeing what other people are are saying about songwriting or other songwriters I talk to, that you know, it's amazing how even though we're all doing the same thing, you can do it in radically different ways. But I do think that a lot of songwriters do fall somewhat in these three categories. I'm not pretending like it's comprehensive. I don't think it is. Uh, but they're the, so, some of the three main ones that I see. I seem to see recurring. So we'll go in chronological order for my life just because <laughs> that's the way that makes sense to me. Um, and we'll sort of talk about the progression and how I ended up with the current process and the current way that I write. And then you can figure out for yourself, you know, maybe there's one of these you want to try that you haven't done, or maybe, you know, one of these is like, wow, I never even thought about that. So you'd want to go that direction. Or maybe like me, you'll come to the conclusion, hey, I should probably go back and try the first one just because it's been a while. Speaking of first one, the poet style songwriter. So overall, I would say the poet style songwriter is characterized by writing lyrics or a poem first, because ultimately, if you just have lyrics and there's no music, it's effectively just a poem, right? And I don't say that to diminish poetry, but <laughs> that's essentially what it is, especially if they're actually good lyrics that are worthy of being a poem, which is a whole other conversation. But effectively, you're writing a poem first, and then you're figuring out how to put it to music. So one way to know if you're this style is if you're first and foremost a poet, who is putting, quote, poems to music. Because a lot of songwriters are not putting poems to music at all. And then the songwriters, especially those I find that come from more of a writing background, actually are people that effectively write poems and then they try to figure out how to put it to music. So usually when you songwrite in the poet style, you start with lyrics, and then there's no direct connection between lyrics and the instrumentation or chords or harmony, however you want to look at it. Basically, there's no, there's no direct connection between lyrics and a chord progression or a piano riff. There is a direct connection, though, between lyrics and melody, because ultimately, melody and lyrics ha have to go together, right? You have to have the same amount of syllables in your, a line of your lyric as you have notes in your melodic phrase, more or less. The melody needs to flesh out the lyrics because, well, the melody is, the lyrics are being sung with the melody. That's, that's how you actually sing lyrics is via melody. So usually you would start with lyrics or, or a poem, and then you figure out the natural melody that comes out of the lyrics. And then from there you figure out, okay, well, now that I have this melody, let me figure out the right chords to go beneath this melody, to support this melody, and then figure out the instrumentation from there. So this is how I started, um, which might seem a little odd because I am a person that, you know, started piano lessons at four, five, something like that. And I think started guitar lessons at 10, maybe it was eight. I don't, it's, I have a terrible emotional memory, but regardless, I, I was pretty heavy into music basically from the beginning of my life. But also I was a person that really enjoyed writing. So I like made fake newspaper articles and stuff when I was a kid because I thought it was fun. And I liked the idea of having a newspaper with news stories and 
different articles about my thoughts about things and other stuff that is, uh, <laughs> I don't know, kind of weird looking back on it. But, uh, and I really like writing poetry and I did like writing classes and all that stuff. So I've always enjoyed the, the art of word crafting, if you will. So writing in the sense of writing words rather than say music writing. So for whatever reason, I kind of came to songwriting. I knew or pretty early on I wanted to make music and write songs, but ultimately, for whatever reason, my initial version of songwriting was very much this poet-style songwriting, where I would write a whole lyric or a whole poem, however you want to look at it, and then I would try to figure out, okay, how do I put this to music? Now, ultimately, I think some of the benefits are it, it is the easiest path to, to best lyrics, I think. So the, the reason for this is basically the songwriting is a funnel concept that I talk about sometimes a lot, and then sometimes I don't mention it for like several episodes. But at the beginning of your song, you have the most creative room, right? Any option, you have all options. It could be in any key. It could be at any tempo. The melody could be in any pitch range, uh, you could use any instrumentation. It could have any feel. It could be any genre. The lyric could be about anything. The phrases could be as many or as few syllables as you want, etc. So if you just write words and you're not worried about the music side of things yet, or you don't have a melody that you need to lock the words into, then it it makes sense that it would be the easiest path probably to writing the best lyrics because you are just concentrating basically on let me write a killer lyric and I will worry about the music later. Which then, also because the natural progression is to start by writing lyrics and then write the melody off of the lyrics and then finally get to the instrumentation, another benefit is that it naturally emphasizes the important relationship of lyrics and melody. Because almost always those are going to be the first two things you do. I guess technically people could write lyrics and then come up with the instrumentation, the chords after that. That seems really odd to me. I, I guess I see how, how you could do that. It just seems really counterintuitive. It doesn't seem like that would work. Um, so because of that, usually if you're if you're starting with lyrics and melody, you are naturally emphasizing what is almost definitely the most important two elements of a song. If you have killer lyrics and a melody, everything else is just gravy. Whereas that's not true, I don't think, for just melody and instrumentation. Uh, some people would say that's true, it, but I, I, I don't think you can have a great song if you don't have great lyrics. If your lyrics suck, who cares about anything else? It doesn't matter. Can it be popular still? Yes, of course. But any anything can be popular. WAP was popular, and WAP is utter garbage. So... The popularity argument never makes any sense. Other benefit is it's probably the most natural for anybody who does come from more poet background. So if you are a person that is primarily a wordsmith and you're kind of learning music or picking up the guitar or piano for the purpose of putting your poems to music and that's how you're coming to songwriting this is going to be the most natural fit for you. Now, that's not to say that you should just always do this, but certainly when you start out, this is probably the way to go. Some drawbacks 
is it's by far the most difficult path, I think, to interesting instrumentation. Because in in most workflows for this, you're going to have lyrics, which then limit your melody, but that's fine because you're doing melody second and you still have total musical open field, right? There's no limitations at all because you don't even know what key it's in. You just have lyrics. You don't have, have any music at all. So you probably can get lyrics and melody down pretty well. But then the, the next natural fit is it's, I would say it's pretty difficult to go from, hey, I have lyrics and melody. Let me write a cool riff that fits with it. I think that's relatively difficult compared to, you know, say starting with a great riff. So ultimately, at least what I found for myself, which I was very young as a songwriter at this point, which is why I want to revisit this style, because maybe this is just how you know good I was at the whole thing overall back when I did it this way, primarily. But I think it's probably most difficult to get the most interesting instrumentation because you're going to lean towards, okay, I see that the the melody in this phrase sort of feels like it it needs to have a G major chord underneath it. So then you're just like G major chord for a measure, which to me is what I almost always want to avoid. I'm not a big fan of like block chords and just like, oh, it's G major for a measure and then C major for a measure. And then traditional chord progressions just don't do it for me. I just, they're fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But usually I'm looking for something more interesting, like a piano hook that sort of implies different chords and stuff. But this is not really a straightforward two measures of G, two measures of C, that kind of stuff. So ultimately, I think it's probably the most or one of the more difficult paths to interesting instrumentation. Uh, also doesn't get the benefit of the feel of music influencing the words, which to me connected with this is in my opinion, it's harder to go from words to music than music to words. So for me, if I hear a piece of music, I can sort of figure out, okay, I think the theme of this music would be X. And I think I think this this sounds like it could be a song about why. On the other side, generally, when I see a poem or lyrics to then say, oh, I think the music would sound like this, at least for me, is a a much more difficult connection. Music almost like, like instantly, I think intuitively, most of us, when we hear music, we think about, oh, this makes me think of this memory I have, or this takes me back to the time that I was in love with blah, 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 or whatever. And so it's it's easy, I think, for most humans to kind of go from music to, you know, they, they, they can imagine pictures based on the music. So you, you hear people say things like, oh, this makes me think of the ocean. And then soon they go from ocean, from that one date they went to on the ocean, which then leads to this one heartbreaking story about somebody you lost or whatever. Um, so so I, I, I think that ultimately this is just the harder direction to go. Now, again, this is probably going to be less true for those of you that maybe started mostly as a poet and you're trying to learn music for the sake of taking your poems and making them songs. Uh, and finally, the last drawback is I think it can lead to an underemphasis on the music which I sort of touched on with the most difficult path to interesting instrumentation. It's kind of the same idea, 
Um, but but ultimately, what you don't want is for your song to sound like it was a poem put to music. Now, what I mean by that is if it sounds like it's a poem put to music, to me, the implication, there's a positive implication and a negative one. You want the positive one without the negative one, ideally. The positive implication is when somebody says, oh, it's a poem put to music, is that it's great lyrics. Because if you were to take the average poem and the average song lyric, the quality of a poem is way higher. And it kind of has to be, right? Because it does have music to sort of cover up the blemishes, whereas lyrics do. Lyrics have the crutches of a good melody or interesting instrumentation, that cool bass line, whereas there is no crutch for a poem. It's it's just the words. If the words themselves aren't great, the poem sucks. There's nothing else, right? Like, what are you going to, like, oh, they didn't, they didn't perform the poem well enough? Like, you don't measure a poem based on a performance of it anyway. Uh, I know poetry readings are a thing, but that's not, you know, a poem stands by just the words it has. So in that way, poem to music is a compliment. But to me, there's also the dark side, the negative implication of a poem put to music, which is when it just sounds like the music was kind of thrown on there for an already existing poem, and it just feels like it's a poem that was put to music rather than a singular song that was written all as one cohesive piece. So... That's sort of what I mean by an underemphasis on music, where it feels like the music was just thrown in there. It's sort of the opposite of my criticism of really what a criticism I have of, of your average songwriter. To me, your average songwriter struggles from they can write fine enough music all day and they don't emphasize lyrics enough. They don't think they're important enough to put enough work into them to have decent lyrics. And then their, their song just just like doesn't work and it sucks. And if, if you can tell that they don't care about lyrics. A lot of songwriters, you can tell they don't care about lyrics. Now, probably not true for most of you because you listen to me and you probably couldn't stomach listening to me if you truly are a person that think lyrics don't matter because I talk about how much lyrics matter ad nauseum. Uh, but for a lot of songwriters, I, I, like a shocking amount of them will be like, oh, lyrics don't matter. Um, and when you say that, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, and then the only people who like your music are people who agree with you and don't pay attention to lyrics, which is a whole other subject that I think I'm going to tackle in a video here soon. But anyway, this is the opposite problem, where you can have the problem of the words are beautiful and amazing, but the music just doesn't, it just feels like it was shoehorned in. Like you're like, oh, I got to put it to music, rather than it being one cohesive unit. All right. So that's the poet style. That's how I started. Then probably at some point early college slash kind of late high school, I transitioned to performer style songwriting. So this is characterized primarily by writing with a single instrument. So this is probably the vast majority of you listening. This is the stereotypical image of a person sitting with their guitar or at the piano writing a song. So if, if, you, if what you're essentially doing is you're writing a guitar part or a piano part and then vocals, and probably you finish the entire song just, just writing your guitar part and your vocals as if you were just writing the song to, you know, go to an open mic 
have your guitar sing and boom, there's your song. And you're not thinking about a recording or an arrangement of a song. And, and the song is either explicitly or implicitly written to be performed, right? Like uh, you're writing it as if you could just grab your guitar or your piano and play an open mic and you already have it, right? Because that's how you wrote the song as a piano part with a vocal or a guitar part with a vocal. Or another version of this is writing as as a band would also qualify as performer minded. So if you're sitting with your the other three pieces of your four piece band and you're all kind of writing together in the sense of like the bass guitarist is coming up with the bass part, the lead guitarist is coming up with the lead part. You, I'm going to assume you're the lead singer and rhythm guitarist in this instance. So you are you know, writing your your rhythm guitar part and the vocal, and then the drummer is coming up with the drum part. Now, it may be true that later you'll record these songs and later you'll figure out more parts to put in to fill out the mix, but ultimately the way you're writing the song is you're thinking through, well, how would we perform this live? Well, he's gonna do that bass line and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this, this vocal part and this rhythm guitar part. That's the performer style songwriting which is the vast majority of songwriting, I would say. Uh, although I think that's starting to shift, which we'll get to in a bit. But benefits. I think the emphasis on performance makes us the easiest path to a song that translates to live very well. And doubling down on that is I think it's the best way to translate well for both acoustic versions and the band versions. So if you do want to go out next week and sort of test run this song for an open mic, this is the best way to make sure that the song translates well in that context. Because you might have thought of it as I'm coming up with the chord progression on my guitar and then I'm figuring out the vocal on top of it, and that may be true. But effectively, you are coming up with a guitar part. It might be a relatively simple one that's just strummed chords, but it is a guitar part that you found resonated with you enough to then write a vocal on top of it and then and then a vocal, right? So another benefit of this is it's, it's the most natural for people who are musicians first and foremost that are then becoming songwriters, right? So this is for the person who, you know, maybe you did guitar lessons, piano lessons, maybe you're self-taught, whatever. But now you're like, you know what the next level for me is? I want to learn to songwrite. I already know music. I understand music. I might even know my music theory, but I've not actually written music yet. I want to try that. I don't want to just perform other people's music anymore. This is going to be the most natural fit for those people. And another benefit of this is it naturally emphasizes your main writing instrument, which usually results in that single instrument part being more killer. So I'll use myself as an example because it's the most obvious to me. So I mentioned before, my bread and butter way of songwriting is that I sit at a piano or keyboard and come up with a piano part. And then from there, I figure out the melody and then lyrics is usually my order. That way I can get the three things that are most important to me as the first three for that top of the funnel. So the reason that I do it in this order, there's many reasons I do it in this order and we don't have time to dive too deeply into it. And I think I have in a previous podcast. If not, I probably will in a future one. But ultimately, this I find is the best way for me to get those big three. The big three to me is I want a killer instrument riff that's very interesting on its own. 
Uh, one of my favorite artists in, in high school was Five for Fighting. And even though Vertical Horizon is my favorite artist of all time, songwriting wise, I probably take more from Five for Fighting, which is interesting to me and a whole other conversation. But certain things like, you know, the piano riffs from Chances or 100 Years or, you know, say something like Clocks by Coldplay. That's the type of thing that really resonates with me is like, yes, there's an, a memorable piano part that on its own is something that people instantly recognize and are like, oh, yeah, it's that song. I really like that. So I find the best way to do that is to write starting with that. And then it's pretty easy to write a killer melody on top of a piano riff to me. Um, and then I just spend extra time on the lyrics to make sure I get those as good as I want them to be, which is I probably have too high of a standard. It's what slows me down the most. But regardless, um, when you do this performer style songwriting, which is me sitting and writing a piano riff first, I'm thinking about me playing a piano and and singing this song. Is it killer just like that? Not needing any electric guitars to come into the chorus, not needing a string quartet to to add to the song. Don't need any of that. Does the song stand up well on its own? Is it memorable? Is it great when it's just me sitting at a piano singing the song? And because of that emphasis, that usually means that it's not just your vocal that's going to be good. Usually this is going to inspire you to write a more interesting guitar part maybe with some hammer-ons, maybe an interesting rhythm, maybe you do a finger-picking pattern, or a more interesting piano part. It hurts a little bit more to do really basic piano chords that are kind of boring when you're writing it as a performer, because you're probably like bored of like, ooh, these are, these, you know, it's not hiding behind layers of guitars and stuff so that you don't even know what the piano's playing. It's right out there in the open. So you're more incentivized to kind of write an interesting piano part or guitar part. Drawbacks tends to be somewhat restricting when it comes to instrumentation. So when it comes to writing, you're going to be per limited by what you can play and sing at the same time. So usually this results in there's basically two types. The performer that's the pianist and the performer that's the guitarist. Maybe a bass guitarist, every once in a while a drummer. But you can't be a flautist and be a performer songwriter really because you can't, play the flute and also sing at the same time. So this results in being a little more limited in your songwriting process when it comes to different instruments you can play with. This also usually means that you have fewer sounds to inspire you in different directions because you're constantly hearing the timbre of piano or admittedly the very variant timbres of guitars. And certainly with piano, you know, you just utilize a synth or whatever or a keyboard that has different sounds and boom you have string sounds and other things but usually people in this circumstance are sticking with pretty basic stuff like acoustic guitar regular piano uh you know maybe distorted electric guitar and then super reverby electric guitar and even that i feel like is kind of rare um not rare in general but it's rare when you're writing a song maybe i'm wrong about that but seems that way to me and then another drawback is this often results in a lyrics last mentality. Now, when I say that, I don't mean that you technically write the lyrics last because sometimes I do that. Um, but lyrics last mentality means you kind of throw it in 
and you don't spend the amount of time necessary to really make sure the lyrics are great. Because what you don't want is to have a song that has cool guitar riffs and awesome arrangement and the vocals killer, but it's singing super dumb lyrics that don't matter. Because then who the heck cares, right? And the answer to that question is all the people who don't care about lyrics. But all the people who do care about lyrics will not like your music. There's plenty of bands I've heard that I, like, yeah, their melodies, their guitars sound awesome. I like everything about them, except their lyrics are stupid or vapid, or which arguably is somewhat the same when it comes to lyrics, or just uninspiring garbage, or sound like they could be written by a 14-year-old. Uh, and I don't like them because I'm like, yeah, but what you're saying is stupid and lame and pathetic. So I don't like, why I don't care about your cool guitars. Now, not everybody's like me, but there is a group of people like me. And as I'm saying in an, I believe upcoming video, maybe it will already be released by then, but you know, no one on the planet earth has ever, ever, ever said, I would like the song, but the lyrics are too good. So I don't like it. That's never happened. People do not like songs because the lyrics suck. So the performer mindset with a performer style, probably the main go-to, but admittedly, uh, it has certainly some benefits, but also some drawbacks. Finally, we have the producer style, which I was always, I, I started as a poet style and then I became a performer style. And recently I'm kind of a hybrid between a performer style and producer style. I kind of bounced back and forth between the two. Uh, and I'm actually planning on trying the poet style again because it's been a while, uh, and I, I just feel like I should try it again. Um, but just the hybrid between performer and producer and bouncing back and forth in between them does give me a nice amount of variance. But producer mindset, what is this? Characterized by, by writing while you're recording and writing for the recording of a song. So normally a, a performer-style songwriter or somebody who is writing a song in that style is whether they realize it or not, sort of writing it for an acoustic show or for the band that they're in or for live, essentially. A producer mindset is, is very much writing for the recording. So you could see this as epitomized by the stereotypical workflow of an EDM producer. Right, so if, if you watch them write music, they're writing music at their computer, right? They program in stuff. They sometimes start with a sound that inspires them. They'll find some synth sound that's like, ooh, this is cool. Let me build a song off of that. Or those are often the people, you don't usually hear rock bands talking about how like they took their recorder and like recorded a tornado siren and then made a synth out of it, right? Like you, you don't have rock bands talking about that or bands in general usually. Uh, but you, d you do hear EDM producers talking about that type of thing. So you're likely writing in this style if you're writing multiple instrument parts before you finished writing the song. So if you already have like a guitar part and a piano part and all this other parts, but you haven't actually finished writing the song, that might be a hint that you might be writing in that style. Maybe not. That could be the band performer style. Um. A really good hint is you're recording as you're songwriting. So you might be recording some of the music before you even have the lyrics done, for instance, or before you have the melody done. 
you're, you're also likely writing in the style if you're not really keeping live performances in mind at all during the writing process. So you're not, if you write the song with an organ at the foundation, you're not thinking about like, oh, but if I went to play this live, how would I do it? I don't have an organ, right? I'm using a synth. Would I bring my laptop and run it through there? You're not thinking about that. You're just thinking about the recording of the song. And another hint would be you're starting songs with instruments and sounds that you don't play or wouldn't play live, like synths or strings. Maybe you're programming a strings part or an organ part that you would never play live, um, and yet that's what you're building your song off of. So benefits is that it it has a natural emphasis on the production of a single track, which makes this the easiest path to a great song recording. So if you want a killer recording of a song, this is probably the best path to that. It's also the least limiting instrumentally and can help push you to some different sounds you otherwise wouldn't play with. So sort of like what I talk about in the free guide on 10 different ways to start writing a song, you know, one of the things I talk about in there is, is the importance of playing with different sounds because if you grab a guitar versus a piano, or even if you change the piano's sound from an organ sound, like if it's a keyboard, from, from a regular piano sound to an organ sound or a string sound, all of a sudden, it sounds very, it, it makes you play differently. You don't, you don't play the same just by the sound changing. So even if the instrument's the same, just having different sounds inspires you in different directions. So a benefit of this producer mindset is you're, you're going to have access to all those type of things. So that I have, I personally have found incredibly helpful to, to really keep the creative flow going. The fact that I can be like, you know what, Let, let's start with an organ sound today, or let's start with a string part today can be super helpful. So also it can be helpful as a solo artist to write music without a distinct instrument at the center. You may have heard me before talk about how oftentimes in a song there's what I would call the main instrument. And the main instrument you usually can tell by the recording. So if you take pretty much any Goo Goo Dolls song, the acoustic guitar is the main instrument. If you listen to, say, Iris, it's the instrument that starts the song, ends the song, it's played throughout. And considering it's an acoustic guitar, it stays very prominent throughout. Or most old Coldplay songs, the piano was the main instrument. Specifically, say, Clocks would be an example of clearly the main instrument is... The piano, it's like the main focal point instrumentally, or most Five for Fighting songs, 100 Years, Superman, would both be the main instrument is a piano. You can tell that the songwriter plays that instrument. Right? You can tell that Coldplay, Chris Martin, plays the piano just by listening to Clocks. You can tell Five for Fighting, John Androsic plays the piano just by listening to most Five for Fighting songs. And that you usually get from the performer mindset. So that can be great, especially for making your sound, but as a singer-songwriter, as a solo artist, it can also be helpful to do this producer style so that you can write some music that doesn't have a distinct instrument at the center. So instead of piano or guitar being foundational to every single song you write, you can have organ or a string quartet or even a wall of synths. You could program like six different synths to all come together to sort of make one main part of the song because again you're not concerned about like can I execute this live if it's just me and a guitar or me and a piano you're not worried about that so it's very freeing in that way and then also your arrangement can actually influence the direction of your song I had this happen recently where I actually did start writing the song 
in a performer style. But um, I, I recorded the piano part, which was how I started with the performer style. It started as a piano performance, if you will. And before I really continued starting writing the song, I did have the melody already. But I, I didn't really know lyrically where the song was going to go. I had an idea. But then as I built out the arrangement, the song actually took a different direction that I wasn't considering. So the song used to be called Cycle, and I thought it would be about the the endless destructive cycles that we can go through in our lives, right? Where you, you do something stupid, you feel bad about it, you wish you didn't do it, you hate yourself for it maybe, you know, you have an unhealthy relationship with it, you're determined not to do it again, and then you do it again, right? And you do it again. Or, you know, something like depression, right? Like every time you think you've overcome it, boom, it comes back. This is a cycle. So originally that's what the song was going to be about. Um, but then it kind of evolved because as I built out the arrangement, I was like, man, this kind of gives me some like gladiator soundtrack vibes. So now the song is sort of evolving away from that concept. And now it's sort of turning into uh, a soldier on in a storm in the ocean. So it, it's evolving. And now it might be called like the voyage or something. So the song evolved because of this producer style. And I don't think I would have ever written a song that that took some of the directions this took without coming at it from a producer perspective where I'm building out the arrangement of the specific recording. And I allowed that to influence the writing of the song. Because even though I have a decently full-fledged arrangement or ha halfway-fledged maybe arrangement, I still don't have the lyrics yet. But that's going to inspire the lyrics in a different direction than I otherwise probably would write if it's just the same old piano sound. Drawbacks can lead to songs that do not translate well to acoustic or live performances. That should be obvious, right? If you write a song and it has a, the foundation of it was a, a wall of synths, you're not going to perform that live. Um, your arrangement influencing the direction of your song. I mentioned that as a benefit. That also can be a drawback, right? Some, sometimes you might not want that because then, you know, it's, it's, other elements of the song other than the main instrument, which in a producer mindset song, there might not be a true main instrument, are what sort of pairs up well. But if you strip it all down to how you would play live, all of a sudden the music you would play live maybe doesn't fit perfectly with the lyrics. Um, and, and mostly it was the arrangement parts that gave that that vibe. So for example, you know, for, for the song I was just referencing, it might be the case that if I strip away all the arrangement elements of the recording that made it sort of have that gladiator type feel to me, gladiator the movie, if you don't know what I mean, sort of sounds like some stuff from that soundtrack. Um, you know, maybe if I peeled that back and it was just the piano and the vocal again, maybe it won't be a perfect match. I think it will be, but th that is a risk that I'm running. Uh, this also can often result in a lyrics last mentality. I'm not going to explain that again because we already explained that. That doesn't mean that you're writing lyrics last. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I do that and I'm, I love lyrics and I'm obsessed with writing great lyrics more than anybody I know. Um, so it's just, you know, are you doing it last? That's fine. But are you doing it last and treating it like it's the last priority? Like, oh, I'll just throw it in there. That can be a problem. Producer mindset admittedly also can sort of allow that to happen. And lastly, can lead to nothing standing out on its own. So with, with the performer mindset and style, usually you're going to write at least one instrument part that's pretty killer on its own, right? A great piano riff that doesn't need all the other parts to be great. 
like Clocks by Coldplay. All you need is the piano for that song, and it's great. And then Poet Mindset, the lyrics are great on their own, theoretically, or at least more often than they would be not doing the poet style. But with the producer style, you really can run the risk of there's no individual instrument that's worthy of standing out. It's just sort of a, a conglomerate. So there's no good atoms. It's just a great molecule, if you will, because molecules are made of atoms. Uh, I assume you know that, but I don't know. I know there are some really young kids that listen to this. I think the youngest I had was like a 10-year-old, which is awesome, by the way, that you're already dedicated to songwriting enough to listen to a podcast at 10. That's super baller. But anyway, that's why I explained that. So don't worry. I know that most of you know that, okay? It's okay. I know you're smart. So overall, you're probably the performer style. Whether you are or not, I would highly encourage you try all three. I think they all have benefits. Personally, right now, I am pretty heavily in the hybrid of producer and performer. I usually start as a performer for most songs, but I before I finish writing the song, I usually have shifted into producer. So maybe the main piano riff for the verse I'll come up with from a performer mindset, but then I'll record it right away and start layering in some other instruments to help in, inspire where the rest of the song will go, which then is shifting into that producer style writing. So it's kind of a hybrid. Now, the reason for this also is uh, I try to keep in mind I want most of my songs to be ones that would translate to live well, but I'm not doing anything live right now, so I'm not super concerned with it. I'm most concerned with having killer recordings, um, but I do try to keep in mind both. And then the poet, the poet style is one, frankly, I want to go back and try. I want to go back and try because, you know, uh, the drawbacks of it, are ones that that maybe would are not as significant as I think they are because now I'm much better at songwriting than I was at, you know, 14. I'm 29 now. And the last time I really did the poet style was probably like 17, 18. Um, I've done a few that way since, but that's when I really was dedicated to that style. So think about it. What style are you? Which style should you try? Do any of these benefits or drawbacks resonate with you? Maybe if you're somebody who does struggle with lyrics and you're a performer, style, songwriter, pretty much all the time, try the poet mindset. See if that helps you write a more killer lyric. And overall, be sure to grab my free guide, songwritetheory.com slash free guide for the 10 different ways to start writing a song between this episode and that. You certainly will have a lot to go off of if you're feeling creatively dry or you haven't actually started songwriting yet, uh, between these two, you should have quite the path forward to, to write a whole bunch of different songs uh, in different, with different starting places and in different songwriting styles. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. Thank you to those of you that leave kind reviews on Apple Podcasts and other places. I've been made aware of some of you that literally create Apple accounts just to leave a kind review. That means a lot to me. Uh, I hope you know that. Uh, if you let me know that, it usually is via email, and then I told you that via email privately, but here's your public shout-out as well, those of you who have done that. Thank you very much. That means a lot to me. I know that it is extra time that you absolutely don't have to do. It's very easy to not do that type of thing. Uh, you know, there's, you have no, there's no benefit to you from doing that, uh, so that means a lot to me that you would take the time to do that. So thank you very much. I appreciate every single one of you. Go out and songwrite. Don't listen to the next episode of this or watch the next video that I come out with 
until you at least do some songwriting. Go out and songwrite. Or as I say at the end of every email, keep songwriting. <laughs>